I'm uh, I'm getting a sense that there's two guys in this room, or one guy in this room and one guy in that room, both of whom are in lousy moods. I have been I have been in a better mood in my life than than you were today. I have been in a better mood than I've been in today, but I mean I'm not I'm not in a foul mood. I'm just a little grumpy right now. How are you? Why are you having? Uh, uh, are you having a rough day? No, I'm not having a rough day. I just uh, tons of work to do, like mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um. And and a and a big project that I have to work on. That no matter how much I try to work on it, I get waylaid by other little piddly things that need to get done. Um. These things come up. Yeah. It's piddly things. Piddly things that need to get done. People who want your attention for things. That too, sometimes. How was the rest of your work? Week. Work week. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I, I think I'm still in the middle of uh, of, uh, of my work at school, at, my, at the school I teach at, Pace. Um, it's, this is crunch time. And, and we're putting together uh you know a bunch of like a, a lot of scenes for students and we're rehearsing on zoom and there's a team shooting it because i'm not vaccinated yet but i'm kind of trying to direct remotely or rehearse remotely when i can and uh there's just a lot it's just been a lot of moving pieces it's hard any other year when there isn't lockdown but under under these circumstances this has been uh, a lot to keep track of and um and I'm a little, uh, I'm a little tired, but that's that's fine. Everybody's got to work. Everybody's got a work story. Who well, needs we, to hear mine? We can do the show next week. We don't have to do it this week. No, this was this was one of the great pleasures of, uh, of of the week. As as was one thing I can bring up that was fun though. I did have one good, good experience. Genuinely, tell me. <clears throat> um, I uh, I was uh, a guest on Rob Benedict's podcast. Um, the Kings of Khan, um, which I mentioned last week and you don't seem to recall. So it was, I do, I thought, but I thought you did it. I thought you had already done it last week. That was just coming up. <clears throat> well, it came out. It's my, it's oh, the it story. came out. Yeah. Ah, okay. So that, that launched today and, and, um, that was kind of exciting to, to know that I was a part of that, that wonderful show. That was fun. That's- that's very exciting. No, the, yeah. confu- the confusion you thought was, was thaw. The confusion you thought was that I thought I was having a stroke because I thought we had talked about it last week. Oh, I guess we had, and I would kind of uh, put the stories together. But gotcha. this was a day, this is part two. This is the thing that got released today, and it was just nice to hear from Rob about how they, you know, thought it was a nice show, and uh, I got to listen to it. I I didn't hate everything that i said that came out of my mouth which i often do so you often don't like listening to yourself no i don't love it i mean i don't love it i don't i can't imagine i like it any more than anybody else Mm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) you mean you can't imagine the reaction i was hoping for you can't imagine that you like listening to you any more than anybody else likes listening to you that's what i that's what i said i like listening to you um, I'm pretty good at what you do. 
and we had a fun podcast on on the on the the paranormal, paranormal. show because we're covering uh close encounters of the third kind which um uh, you know how that made me happy talking yeah. about that movie made me happy and because, then, because you love mashed potatoes uh, yes I, I i like mashed potatoes um yeah, it's been one of those weeks, but this was um, this was also a nice diversion, and this as is this. So you know, this is great. I'm glad we I could carve out time to do it, and um, you know, talk about this film. But news from from uh, your your bedroom. What's happening? News from my bedroom. What's wow. going on? Wow. Well, That's... literally, I just mean that literally for those Sweet. listening at home. Yeah. He's in his bedroom, and I'm looking at him. You can't see that, but he's totally appropriately sitting at a desk, fully clothed, but I can see his bedroom behind him. This week on News from My Bedroom. <laughs> and it's Man, completely... That's, that's show. <laughs> it is a totally G-rated show. Yeah. It, it is, yeah, as, as News from My Bedroom is, completely G-rated. Um, nothing goes on in my bedroom that's not family-friendly. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, we're getting uh, down to brass tacks now. Well, it doesn't seem like we each, we we don't have a lot of. Fun. I mean, did, you, did, you, did you have some auditions? Did you have a? Did you get on a show? I did not. I did not get on on a show. Okay. Uh, did your move? Did your screenplay get? To, did my screenplay, my screenplay did not get picked up. Okay. I did not get cast on any show. Okay. Did you do a do did you do a Zoom play reading or any kind I of? I didn't do a Zoom play reading. Okay. I, I taught my classes. I edited, uh, edit. I'm editing somebody's book. I uh, worked on very boring, many very boring aspects of the Buddhist business. Um, we're in you know, trademark and regulatory hell right now. There's okay. nothing. It's it's moving forward, but none of it is like, hey, this is exciting. Right. I mean, the most exciting thing that happened this week you saw before the show, which is that I learned how to put a shrink wrap safety capsule on a bottle. That's a that's a skill I'm going to be using throughout my life. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Um, you, well, maybe. I mean, uh, you know, maybe in a way. Yeah. yeah. There could be specialty bottles that only you that are like hand, hand, and finished, and sealed, capsuled, yeah, you know, and uh, and signed and stuff. You could do something with that. We could do something like Maker's Mark does that that yeah uh, that wax dip. Yeah, which you know, I saw I, I saw a commercial. I used to drink a lot of Maker's Mark back when I drank a lot of a lot of bourbons. Yeah, and um, I like that. Uh, I like that booze. And uh, I remember seeing commercial, and that the, uh, from the looks of it, they actually do dip it in like a hard plastic wax by hand, yeah. and yeah. and do that. And it's an individual; each one is unique. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was surely a, a, a lie. I thought all those years I drank Maker's Mark that I, that this was a a stamped out, you know, a lie. No, I think they, they hand dip them. I think, and uh, you know, you've seen the Christmas edition, right, where it's I think that started after I stopped my yeah, my stopped love affair with bourbon. Hand dipped with the red and then the green, so there's two. Oh, that yes, I have seen that. Yeah. I have, yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. Again, I thought there was some laser technology that just you know. 
lasers and 3D, elves. 3D printed them onto the bottles. Yeah, lasers and elves do the whole thing. Um, um, well, I think that we really should start talking about the movie soon because this is not our finest hour of broadcasting. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about this movie. And I think uh, like uh, last like the week before last, we might disagree on some things. It's possible. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. Yeah. There we go. Well, so, you know, yeah. you it's going to be, it's going to be, I can see it's going to be the end of a perfect day is what you're saying. This, <laughs> this will be, this will be perfect ending to this day. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, my, my criticism of this movie can be summed up in, in, in one sentence. Same year as Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, this movie. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, I'm not going to argue with you that I think Mad Max is a better movie. That's, that's. Oh, okay. Know. Oh, all right. Okay, good. Then maybe we're not going to have an argument. There we go. Um, I, I would like to, I would like to, though. You think there's more to say about this? I would like to thrash you about the head and neck, though, because of your disrespect to John Carpenter. I mean, saying that something that the Road Warrior is better than something yeah. is, is doesn't gain you any points anywhere, because that's like, that's like saying an elephant has a trunk and is a big animal. <laughs> yeah. You think really, I'm really hard to make a better movie than Road Warrior, no matter who you are, where you are, what year. I mean, okay. that's like, come on. Okay. Um, but uh, you never. Okay, we're talking about. Why don't you set it up? When do you, you want to tell people what we're talking uh, is happening? about? 1981's Escape from New York, starring uh, Kurt Russell. As Snake Plissken. Snake Plissken. And Isaac Hayes. And uh, Il Malo um, is in it. Uh, Lee Van Cleef. The redoubtable Ernest Borgnine. Donald Pleasance. What does redoubtable mean? Redoubtable means... Um, something that you should be slightly, uh, you know, it's one of those words. <laughs> it's oh, one of those words. Like, it means that, huh? Okay. Does it mean you don't know what you're talking about? It means formidable. <laughs> okay. I believe. It means I don't think you're telling the truth twice. Reads outable. I doubt you twice now. <laughs> I believe it means formidable. I would ask somebody in the studio audience. Um, please, somebody to, come to our rescue right now. To look it up, please, and leave a, a definition in the comments uh, and help me here. Yeah. But I believe it means something akin akin to formidable. You are permitted one phone call, Matthew, if you, if you want to make that happen. Before I get kicked off the island. Um <laughs> And who else is in it? You know, one of somebody on whom I had um, a huge crush when I was quite young. Adrian Barbeau. No. 
Cece Gubli. Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. I had a huge crush on Susan Hubley because she was in a TV movie called She Lives, um, starring um, Desi Arnaz Jr., Susan Hubley, and the, the uh, and again, I'm going to use the word, the redoubtable Anthony Zerbe. I'm as confused as I was the first time you said it, but um, I, I, okay. She's also in that movie, Hardcore. It's a pretty famous movie with uh, George C. Scott. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know her. Yeah. And I mean, I know her from this movie. She's she's got a scene in in the chock full of nuts, uh, bombed out chock full of nuts restaurant. Yep. Was bombed out because it it looked remarkably similar to my recollection of a lot of chock full of nuts that I ate in as as a youth. Big takeaway for this movie for me is that this I I I would rather live in that New York than the one that I'm currently living in now, and that's (laughs) so that's telling you like that place looks a lot more interesting and exciting. There's better clubs. There's more people. Stuff is going on. There's live theater. There is. Yeah. So the plot of this movie is it, it's um what is it nine it's two thousand sixty seven is that what it is no it's I think the the movie takes place in uh, in like ninety seven oh really I thought it was I thought it was like sixty seven years after um hmm. I believe that that is in, no. It says in the byline in IMDb in 1997, when the U.S. president crashes into Manhattan, there you now go. A giant maximum security prison. A convicted bank robber is sent to rescue him. There you go. 97. So it was made in 81, and it was the vision of what it would be like in New York in 1997. Okay. Um, Clearly a movie made not long after the 70s of New York, where it was kind of like crazy here. It was pretty bad. And they did not see Giuliani coming at all in this movie. No, he he also had a big Cadillac that he drove around in. (laughs) Not anymore. Yeah, folks, you heard it here first. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. No. So long. Bye-bye. Not anymore. Yeah. So so uh an ex um special forces officer turned bank robber who's now been convicted to the Supermax Island of Manhattan prison is about to be incarcerated there when the president's hijacked plane is crashed into the in the city and he's told that he will be given a pardon for all of his crimes if he goes in there and rescues the president of the united states the president i mean he does crash there but he's also it's a he's there hijacked the air force one has been hijacked by a terrorist organization and um and crashes the plane so there are you know uh some interesting and kind of eerie uh, visuals that 
remind you of 9-11 actually in the movie which I, I didn't remember about it and yeah that was very creepy and, and weird um I, so okay so that's the setup you know I can't just talk to you about this like it's another movie you know that you know you're in trouble you know this is coming I'm gonna sit back and just let you talk <laughs> I talk way too much I just I just want to know if you ever saw it before I did um, see it way back in the day. I believe when it came out. When you I didn't. You didn't like it either. Then. I don't think I liked it that much then. Okay. Is there a John Carpenter movie that you do appreciate? I I think Halloween is is brilliant. Okay. Okay. Good. I mean, because some people just don't like John Carpenter for whatever reason. Um, and some people like certain of his movies, and some people are um, rabid fans. And I'm closer to that than not. But I'm, but for me, I, I, I'm go, I, I have a lot of fun with this movie. But it's not one I, I don't have a poster of it in my room. Like right. you know, I, there's, a, I think he's as as cool it is as as it is for me. I still think it's better, like conceptually. Right. Than, than in the actual movie a lot of the time. Right. Okay. Um, I'm also a big fan of um, The Fog. The Fog is great. Yeah. And I, I mean, I liked Big Trouble in Little China. Assault on Pre Precinct 13 is incredible. Yeah. Um, the Life of David Gale, uh, I liked. Well, you were the only one there. Well, I, think, um, I think I'm actually looking at the wrong thing, though. I'm looking at, at his uh, soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, let me just look at his, the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 he's he's a he's a big hero of mine, absolutely, and I, and I I do love this movie, but there's other Carpenter movies that I that are more up my alley. Um, but how can you not like? I mean, that, but but I but okay. That being said, I I feel like I feel like this represents. I don't know if you don't like this movie so much as maybe you just don't like this genre, this kind of movie. Because because I think that if you that that, that I don't know. I mean, I, I it, it's so it, it, you just seem to like. It's got enough, not enough reality or substance to you. And to me, like that, that kind of B well, movie, I mean, I, B movie I think, quality is like what what I like about it. But I think that may not appeal to you. Is that right? Um, no, I just I I didn't. I mean, I I think I think Mad Max is is similar to this in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. and I and I love it. Okay. Um, I found this. Um, I found it kind of um, self-conscious, and 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 it didn't make me laugh. Where there are scenes I, in Mad Max that you're disagreeing with well, me. I'm, I'm only just saying again, like honestly, I mean, yes, Mad Max, but I, I, Mad Max is. Oh, I don't know. Mad Max to me isn't like. I guess it's the same thing. I guess you're right. And I guess I, I'm wrong. I no, I'm not saying. Yeah. No, I'm wrong tonight. I'm off. I'm way I mean, off. And tonight. I mean, and I love Kurt Russell, and I didn't like him in this. Okay. 
I well, felt then like... you, there are people out there that would say, then you just don't love Kurt Russell. <laughs> I Kurt Russell would say, I don't love Kurt Russell because this is his favorite role of his. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he came up with all of it, like with with Carpenter, the whole character. Uh, initially, when he got to the set, it was like the guy was in camos and had no distinctive quality. He wasn't really that kind of edgy punk thing going on with that he has in the movie. And I know he he worked it out with Carpenter, so it's really it is it is his creation. Um, they talk a lot about how he's he was really hell bent on escaping the Disney image, which is what he had before this. And I felt like that's what I was watching was mm-hmm. somebody was going, God damn it, they're they're not going to think of me as a Disney guy anymore. Okay, but uh, what I but then also what you're seeing is somebody doing a wonderfully bad impression of Clint Eastwood in a in a spandex shirt for two hours, and I I feel like that there's a joy in that see this is what i'm saying mad Max. this is this is wonderful to me and if there's got there's there's really cool movie making stuff going on but then there's also this is a real b movie and mad max is a bad comparison to me because it's not to me that's that's that makes a that makes a, a case for it just becoming an a movie and this one is always a b movie yeah, but it's, a, it's just like a drive-in movie. This is the perfect movie to see at a bar. Like if this is on at a bar, you will have the greatest time. That's to me, it's it's perfection, and and it's. See, got I, its- like B, I, I like B movies, and I like Carpenter B movies. I I have a friend who is still furious at me for dragging to him and sitting with 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 giddy glee through the fog. Um, because the, the fog, the fog, um, I felt took a lot of, a lot more enjoyment in its, in its B moviness than this. Whereas I, I, I didn't look at these people thinking with, with some exceptions, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh God, I'm losing it. Frank Doubleday. Frank Doubleday knocked me out in this movie because um, I felt like he went all the way with it. But he's I the guy with the hair. Yeah, great hair. Great hair, and you know his. You noticed his character name, right? Um. No. Wait. Who? who Oh, oh, well, yes, Romero. Romero. And there's another character in the movie named Cronenberg. That's right. Which, obviously, those are not accidents. No. No. Um, And, you know, so I just wish there was more joy and fun in things like that in it. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think, um, like I said, I, I, I think the concept is so fantastic. And it was so... It was so it was really cool when it came out like this was the edgy cool movie to go see when it came right. out right yeah i remember and, and um yeah there, there there's something about the concept that just still feels really smart and politically you know just like the best i, I think politically it's like up there with all of his his best political movies carpenter and his commentary wow. is really interesting I, I think that 
you know, for all for for all the stuff that is kind of lumpy about everything in the middle. And I and I and I'll say that I, I don't I don't know if Carpenter's thing is really action so much as suspense and and mood and character. I mean, the thing I think is my favorite is the best movie for me that he did as my favorite. And that that's the anti um, escape from New York. The thing is slow paced. It's suspenseful. It's it's eerie. It's character driven. It's yeah. about actors talking. And, and this is actually, you know, I think um, Big Trouble in Little China is a great action movie, but I don't I think that's the only great action movie he really did. But I loved that. I loved the thing. Yeah, the thing is great. The thing is great. Um, did you ever see Prince of Darkness? I didn't see Prince of Darkness. That's really fun too, and okay. and that's like a that's um, kind of a creepy urban Rosemary's Baby esque scientists bringing like uh, finding the devil kind of. Movie. Oh, that's okay. interesting. Yeah. But like it, it it proves another point about him, which is I think this is also a little bit outside of his wheelhouse because he's such a Howard Hawks nut, and I think at Carpenter's best, except maybe for Christine. It's his stuff is about teams, teams of people, not an individual loner character. Um, but that's just me. Interesting bit of trivia uh, about this movie. Did you know that the um, the character of Snake Plissken was based on the Honey Badger? <laughs> honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger doesn't give a shit. I did not know this. Yeah. He's the original honey badger, I think. He doesn't give a shit, that's for he sure. He does not care. He's actually there there, you know, I remember this is funny because I think I saw this with dad uh, on oh, he on loved it. On cable. We saw it on cable together and and like on like HBO or when Cinemax was new, he let me see kind of like, you know, kind of a rough tough guy movie with him one night. And um we had a great time and I think he did enjoy it kind of embarrassed he was slightly embarrassed probably but he enjoyed it and i remember just him laughing his ass off about the name snake pliskin he just couldn't stop saying it he thought it was hysterical and then i find out today uh that it was a real person the snake pliskin john carpenter went to like i don't know i think I don't, usc or ucla film school and he went to he, he had a friend who told him stories about his high school where there was a legendary high school greaser, like kind of punk rock greaser guy that went by the name of Snake Pliskin in high school. And he would he would go to people and they'd be like, hey, Pliskin. And he'd be like, call me Snake. Like call he'd do that. And and Carpenter heard this and was like, this is the craziest, this is the craziest story I've ever heard. I gotta put this guy in a movie. And so and so he did. That is nuts. I think and this is also, can I just talk about the affection part of this because please i think knowing a little bit about it um and a little bit about john carpenter and a little bit about um uh you know the people that he works with all the time because he works with a lot of the same people and the same producer and the same um dps uh dean cundy is his, is his dp and um he uh he worked with um deborah hill who is a genius like she's she's one of the great producers and 
maybe undersung women in Hollywood, you know, um, she produced Halloween with John Carpenter and they were, they were an item. They were going together out of, out of school, but they were really serious about making movies together. She produced Halloween, produced the fog, produced this movie. And even after Carpenter and her broke up, um, after Halloween, and he 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 started going with Adrian Barbeau, um, and Deborah Hill was like, "That's not cool, but I'm still your producer." So she kept working with him and was like, "We're still going to make great movies together. I don't care who how stupid you are about this." But sorry, I have to disagree with her on that. He was going out with Adrian Barbeau. I think that's pretty cool. All right. Well, you're you you're probably in a lot of trouble right now. If anybody's, li it, we'll hope that there isn't an audience right now because <laughs> you were on the wrong side of history on this one. Um, I mean, Adrian Barbo is fantastic, but Deborah Hill is like is like incredible. Totally oh. unsung. Totally unsung. If it weren't for her, Halloween wouldn't wouldn't be there. It wouldn't have happened. I mean, she's great. This movie was something that. That, I'm gonna edit that out when when we drop the take pod. that part out. Yeah. Take that part out. Nothing against out. Adrian Barbeau. John Carpenter wrote this movie in college. Like, he was like 20, 21 years old as a lark, and he like it was in the trunk of his car for ten years. And after the success of a couple of other movies like Halloween and The Fog, I don't know, was it Avco or whatever? It was like, what? Where? You know, what do you got? We got to do a movie. And he said, I have. You know, I got this old movie that's in my trunk of my car I wrote 10 years ago. Do you like it? And they were like, yeah, we want to do this movie. He's like, okay. So it's really from the, what I love about it is that it's clearly from the mind of a, like a, almost not a teenager, but like a fevered, you know, young man, like, you know, late at night, coffee fueled, scribbling in a spiral notebook kind of movie. And it's got that crazy energy. And then when you realize they only had $5 million. There's not but one shot that they actually shot in New York City or anywhere near New York. Right. Missouri. They, had, they had $5 million to pull off what, from a production standpoint, is is pretty incredible. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that, you know, I just love about the kind of can-do, handmade, homemade thing. It's not a studio movie. This is like a little thing that they that they pulled together and the fact that they that they made it work at all it, it's just kind of a miracle so i have a i guess i have a lot of affection for it but you know it's it doesn't hold together with a lot of storytelling which i know you're a fan of storytelling to me when i'm watching a movie that's a big part of it mm -hmm. is the story and there were little things that i felt like they were missed opportunities like um you know, he's got this this radio with which he will communicate and tell them what's going on. And uh, state-of-the-art special radio given to him by the state-of-the-art government forces who are sending him in there on the mission to rescue the president. And he drops it from a height of about three and a half feet, and it shatters into a million pieces. And the problem I have is not that that happens, but that it happens and it, it, it either shouldn't happen because it's government, 
you know, good government hardware or when it happens, something should be made of like, oh, great. The government, the government, you know, the, the, the best government hardware shatters from three and a half, you know. We did look at that. We freeze framed it. Amelia was like, what, what, did, what just happened? And we, we ran it back and I was like, I was like, I think that was the radio. And we go back and it was like, well, it actually looks like a child's toy radio. Yeah. Which is fine, but but go one way or the other with it, right? Either either that thing should not break from the height of three and a half feet, or if it does, Snake Plissken should talk up should have something to say about the freaking crappy government hardware he's been given to go rescue the president. Speaking of government hardware, um, there is one photograph I do have to share uh, if we're going to talk about the the uh, amazing government hardware that we've got, um, the 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 best that the military has to, to offer <laughs> is this walkie-talkie that Lee Van Cleef is using. Lee Van Cleef is a big guy, and he is hold, he has to hold this thing with two giant hands. He's got hands the size of baseball mitts and you right. can barely hold this thing and up. this is 1997 best that the that that the people rescuing the president have is something that looks like it's from 1942 a 1942 gi joe movie yeah it looks like from the sands of iwo jima movie or so exactly. it is, it's crazy <laughs> crazy what i was yeah. looking at there <laughs> there are some missteps um I also, um, I remember, like, as a, even as a kid, um, I don't know what it is, because there is a time and place for Ernest Borgnine. I, I believe that. But it, it wasn't here. I, I don't know if that time and place has been discovered. I think the Wild Bunch, it's okay. safe to say, it was a good time for him. Okay. You know, Marty probably was a, was it, no, Marty, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, didn't he win the Oscar for that? I mean, that was that's good stuff. <laughs> um, you know, we were t we talked about him in the, in the. I think he made this right after the Black Hole. I think it was, might have been his next movie or something. His next movie after the Black Hole. Well, that was seventy nine. This could maybe he did some other where he probably did some like um, he did an episode of Magnum PI or or something in there. <laughs> but um. He, I mean, I can't, it's every time you see him, it's just like, hey, I'm Ernest Borden and I'm so happy to be here. He just looks like he's just so happy to be in everything he's in. <laughs> Even if his character is supposed to be miserable because they're in prison, on prison island, he's happy. Yeah. As I was saying, even as a child, that part of it bothered me. I felt a little bit pandered to, even at, you know, as a 13-year-old. I was like, Really? Really, you're gonna you're gonna pass this guy off as a New York cabbie? Um, yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go through the things that don't work first because there are things that do that are good, right? Okay, the things that don't work, tiny thing, but it bothered me. The 69th Street Bridge. It's not 70 miles long. It's not 70 miles long, and there isn't a 69th Street Bridge. Um, oh, that's true. Did they say 69th Street? They say I didn't the even 69th Street Bridge. Yeah. Oh dear. There's I don't. Also, I don't think Carpenter ever came to New York ever. When he first gets to New York and is walking down the street, 
I really think there's a crew person in a shot. Oh, there probably is more than one time. I I took a little screenshot of it and yeah, and let's see. Correct me if this is not a uh, a member of the crew. Um, in the in the foreground there, on the left side of the screen, with headphones on, as Snake is walking by. <laughs> it it looks like there might even be like a. A, a, like a light in the shot yeah too uh, like what the heck well there were a bunch of um like uh uh kind of feral street you know gangsters running around at night maybe that was one of the extras yeah, but this to me looks like a um like a piece of equipment that he's holding like a camera and taking a yeah. picture. Like this is the still photographer who ended up in a shot by accident. I, I, I'm not surprised. I, I mean, it's a miracle that it's holding together at all this movie. When you think of like, you know, the money that they had, they had $5 million for the movie. But okay. they had so many special effect shots in it too. A lot right. of the money went to that. The, the, I think my favorite sequence in it is the glider sequence is the sequence of him flying in. Yeah. It's you, really you know cool. about the graphics, right? How they did the graphics. You mean the, the, the digital looking graphics, digital looking. I, I, I assumed it was CGI. I did, I mean, created. Digital. No, they did not. The, 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 the computer power to generate that, those computer graphics was way too powerful for them to afford. Okay. I thought it was like, this is like three or four years after the black hole, which had the same, I thought it would have been cheaper by then, but. Yeah, they couldn't afford it. So they, they built a, a city, they built a model, painted it black and put white oh. tape on the edges of the buildings and then used that to, to generate the, uh, yeah, they did uh, that, 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 that. I remember actually hearing that. Yeah. But I remember watching the, that same sequence that, that you're talking about and loving it when he's in the glider and he's looking down because I was sitting there saying, those are really great 3d computer generated graphics for the time. They didn't have it. And then well, I, I mean, yeah, that oh, was it. But also yeah. the actual models of the city yeah. are stunning. Yeah. The, the actual model building, like the, the when he flies in and he hits Battery Park and he flies over Battery Park, I mean, it. it's just it's just incredible work. And you they spent the that money model, on that. That model was later used, I think, in Blade Runner. Um, the model really? was re reused. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. You did a, you did all the research. You're the smart one tonight. I'm not smart. I just had some time to kill this afternoon and thought I'd better bring it tonight. So I read things that other smart people wrote. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, I kind of have to, I got to kind of agree with you that the movie is much more like it's, it's the whole, it's the whole thing of it that I love more than the actual viewing experience. You know, I, I love the character. I love the concept. I love certain moments and scenes and lines and, but the middle section's kind of a slog. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, it's a little messy, you know? I, I, I can't argue with that. It, it, you know, when they get to the, 
you know, Isaac Hayes is, it's so cool that Isaac Hayes is in it, but I don't feel that they use him particularly well. Exactly. I think it's a missed opportunity to having him, what he could have done. The fact that they don't have him do music at all is weird, that that character could have been, because they have this, you know, they have this fake nightclub thing, and there's clearly performances and stuff that people are doing. And there's a big wrestling show, which is never my favorite part of any movie. The fact that they have Isaac Hayes and don't have him be a performer is a little like a missed opportunity. They don't have him doing any Lord Humongous things. Right. Or, you know, uh, Can You Dig It from The Warriors? You know, I mean, that character from The Warriors. Remember right. that movie? Mm. Which would be a really fun double bill with this. Um, one being shot in New York and one being shot in... You know where this was shot? St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Right. Incredible. I mean, that that made me like the movie a lot more when I started reading about how they made it, what they were up against. I started having a lot more affection for it because of how, you know, I mean, that's a lot of guts to say, yeah, we're going to make this movie where we... We have we're gonna show you giant epic portions of a bombed out, like burned out city that for real. Yeah. I didn't I, I watching it, I I didn't know that they weren't in New York because of any other reason than I just know that they couldn't have shot it there. Right. They couldn't have afforded it, but I wouldn't have really they they avoided landmarks for the most part in a in a way that could be considered smart, like tasteful. Like we're not gonna show you, you know all the things you know about New York. We're going to show you what Snake would actually encounter there, which wouldn't be, he wouldn't be at Radio City Music Hall. And then, you know, I mean, you get the library. Yeah. And the, and the, the Twin Towers. And um, so I think there's really cool things about it where it does lack, it just lacks that intelligent script where those aha moments and twists and turns that could have really been like really smart uh, they just didn't have them boy see now i'm feeling really bad why because i feel like i turned you 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 embittered me to one of my favorite filmmakers and uh you know what can i say i didn't have i didn't have the heart today to to stick up for one one uh, one of my favorite filmmakers which which just hurts my feelings but i have to live with it um can we do we want to talk about things that we loved have you got this out of your system yet i feel like that you're not done and i don't want you to stop because you have you're worried about my feelings um that's the last thing i'd want you to do uh no i i don't have tons of stuff that i want to say no I, what what i didn't like about it i was a general thing rather than moments that i looked at and said oh come on you know what okay. i mean yeah, uh, it, it's not like they did a lot of things that I looked at and said, "Oh, that's horrible. Why did you do that?" It was that I wanted them to go even further and have more fun with the thing that they were doing. How can you have more fun than seeing Kurt Russell shoot a hole through a concrete wall and jump through the other side, and it's clearly made of paper <laughs> on the other side? How could yeah. you not have fun with that? I well, I had a little fun with that, but I will tell you some stuff that I love. That spoke to me. I love that the 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 big uh, one of the cars that is the most prepped for battle in the movie 
is a country squire. Country squire station wagon with the wooden sides turned into a prison cage of a car. Yeah, and that I was pretty great. That was a kind of a statement about about suburbia and that car. And I, I liked that. I loved the whole season Hubley storyline because I thought it was going to be a storyline and then it ends so much faster yeah. than you I think. Was, I was going to ask you what storyline and then I realized yeah. that you were doing No, it's because you think, you think, okay, here's a, an interesting character and we've met her and and there's going to be some stuff that she goes on a journey with our hero snake and what oh she's gone she's dead <laughs> that yeah she was that was that was over before you know it yeah and and i loved how quickly and and brutally she just and i loved that his reaction to it is like yeah okay well she's gone <laughs> Yeah, well, you love those sociopaths. I know. I thought you'd like Snake. I thought you'd like Snake. Admiration for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also the first time there's any gunfire, really, and it's like, and it, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty violent. It actually is pretty violent. Yeah. Um, um, and there was a stunt that I thought was really spectacular, um, which I have a little photograph of, um, the. Uh, on on the non-existent 69th Street Bridge, when our friend Harry Dean Harry Dean gets blown up, and that that stunt man went flying through the air. Yeah, he he really did. He hits the roof of that car pretty hard. Yeah, he he they had him on some sort of spring-loaded trampoline that just shot a cannon that yeah. shot him through the air. Um, I liked that. Um, and I, I did like that, you know, Maggie really, really, really loved that brain. Yeah. She was the, a true, she was a true believer. She was ready to give it up for him. Yeah. After he got killed, she stood there and, but that's very Carpenter, you know, that's like, he's, he's, um, he's, uh, he's, he stands for some stuff, you know, and he's also surprisingly, um, warm hearted, like, you know, good, good hearted about, about his viewpoint, I think something kind of weirdly wholesome about him, um, in, in, in that he's total metalhead and very American and like, was in garage bands all his life. And he's just kind of like that guy who's a kind of a grease monkey movie maker, very straight shooting, very, very left in his politics, but in a weird kind of like, li like left libertarian weird way. Like if you mm -hmm. can think of something like that. Yeah. Um, he's got that combination of like cowboy ethic that the lone wolf ethic and the team being like also, you know, even bigger for him that like the team of people doing something good together and standing for something. Yeah. Uh, I love that about him. And, um, Oh, we meant, we didn't mention they live as another great movie. I think he, that yes. we can into. with Roddy, uh, Roddy, Roddy, Piper. Roddy, Roddy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and David Keith, the great yeah. David Keith. Now there is one image in this movie 
that I'm not going to be able to wash out of my brain for a long time. Um, which is... Oh, this. boy, do I love this. Um, Harry Dean Stanton addressing Donald Pleasant as the captured president of the United States in a big blonde wig, which was actually Donald Pleasant's idea. I'm not surprised. Uh, okay, I'm here now. Now we're entering a casual attitude about Donald Pleasant's involvement here. That's that's very concerning to me. <laughs> okay. And I feel like we're now entering into uh, you've, you've awakened the dragon. What did I get in trouble for something? Um, I I think Donald Pleasance is a genius. I okay. think that he's um he's he's become he's become one of my favorite character actors ever. Um, I have a lot of affection for the fact that he kept coming back for John Carpenter after John Carpenter made him so much money in Halloween. You know, he came over to do Halloween and, and didn't really know what he was in for. And I think he was apparently very well behaved, but also a little bit like, Oh my God, this is a tiny, tiny, tiny movie. <laughs> what, what have I got myself into? And then it made him a ton of money. And um, he just kept coming back and he'd be like, I'll be in anything, any scene, any character you want. And he was in a ton of Carpenter movies after that. And the fact that he showed up and gives as much as he does, um, I think it, he does, didn't have a lot to do in this movie, but what he does have is indelible. And his scene, um, his scene having to praise um, Isaac Hayes, while he, Isaac Hayes is shooting at him as he's tied to a wall, I think is some of the best acting you're going to see in a movie. I think it's incredible. I think it's literally incredible. I mean, without irony, I, I think he's a genius. And, and, and his level of commitment to that, to the reality of the terror is just I spot on. I mean, it's incredible to me. So I think that's like, you know, that kind of thing is such a surprise when it happens in this movie. I remember seeing that scene when he's freaking out. I have to respond to Seth because that was a very nice thing that Seth just said. Very nice thing to say. For those, for those that are not uh, able to see, our friend Seth said that, uh, that we are awesome tonight. And I thank you, Seth. Thank you. We That's needed some nice. encouragement. We both needed to hear that. Um, and I'm glad that you think so. I'm glad we're, we're I'm glad we're, at least kidding you enough to to think that that's happening. Um, anyway, I love Donald Pleasance. I, I really love Harry Dean Stanton in this. I, I think like it's 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 not it's like it's just so cool that they're there, uh, you know. Um, and uh, and so there's just there's things that are so genuinely like cold over from seventies kind of cracked, you know, just go for it filmmaking that I that I love and I love a lot more than than other filmmakers styles of filmmaking who do similar kinds of movies. So you pick, you know, like the road warriors, great example of uh, it's untouchable. There's no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But here's one that's like, didn't have some of the things that made road warrior easy to make amazing. Um, you know, a hundred miles of desert road in Australia looks good. No matter what you do, no matter what you do to it, right. Time of day or night lighting for 
lighting for nighttime for 48 days consecutively is not easy when you have only $5 million. Like, so in a way, like I've, and maybe this is because I, we, well, we've both been teaching film stuff, but it's like, maybe it's coming out of me to go, just think of how, like, if you put the, if you put the, the physical part of it first, just like right. the actual artifact of the movie first and get impressed by just, wow, look what you all pulled off here. Right. And then, and then go, okay, what's the story? Well, the story is, it's got a whole, it's got a few holes in it. Yeah. It actually isn't the story really. It just kind of like, he goes, he finds him and then he gets him out. Well, you know, Mad Max is similarly simple, but they didn't have to light a, a, dis, a destroyed city for, for, for 40 no. days, you know? No, um, technically a whole, a whole different thing, but you know, you pegged it when you said I'm, I'm primarily what draws me to cinema primarily is I, I approach it through story first. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and I think you, you approach it through, Jesus, look at the move, look at the technical achievement they. I definitely am more, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I don't want to say, I hope it's not just the technical achievement of it, but I mean, it, there's something more about the, the, the tone. Tone is crucial for me. Right. Tone okay. and, and, and how did they, how did they achieve like a, because I do think Escape has tone. I think it does have that. So. Yeah. And, and it's it's got a unique tone. I mean, the score is great because it's Carpenter, and he's always writing amazing scores for his movies. And and it's very methodical. Seth likes it when we're disagreeing, and I, and that's great. I'm, I'm our our pain is your pleasure, and uh, see, so yeah, this is one of Seth's favorite movies. And yeah. so I, I lose that. Fine, that's fine. I you, you just you know you're this is like this is turf war stuff when it gets on to John Carpenter territory okay. it really yeah. is i mean okay. there if you he he i guess then seth correct me if i'm wrong but in a way you could say that he is the anti-spielberg and and i needed that as badly as i needed spielberg growing up even his rough movies that were cheaper and not really that well made always had something in it that was like politically different way way weirder than you were going to see in some i mean you're not going to see another movie where like isaac hayes is driving a chandelier like a limo with chandeliers on it through the streets menacingly like a shark just driving around i mean it, that's so great to me and that's worth to me that may be worth some some points off for you know for script and story but I, I can't argue with it with you on that part because it doesn't. It seems like they weren't really that invested in in it, and they thought Kurt could hold it just by watching him. And I don't know if he was. There's something a little campy about what he's doing, so he's uh, which I love, but it's also I don't know if he knows the level of campy it is or whether he's in control of it yet. Right. Like he became really in control of that pocket. Yeah, you know, like you'll see him in in you know in Death Proof, for instance, yeah. and it's like he gets that. He's kind of kidding. He's a little winky. It's kind of cute, but it's also he's actually a tough guy too. Yeah, know? he go, he goes there in a very different way in Death Proof. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So are you not, I mean, are you not blown away by Donald Pleasance? Because this is really, this is interesting to me because he's a, he's a figure for me that's like pretty important. Um, you could care less. I, 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 I guess I need to pay more attention to him. My, my first experience of Donald Pleasance was in Halloween. And, and he was kind of my least favorite. Stop. Don't. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you, why did you have to you, 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 you I was so calm and I was like being cool and I was being like, okay, we can, we don't have to get heated over, over escape from New York because it's not, I don't have a horse in this, in this race. I, I love the movie, but I, there are other Carpenter movies that I like the thing you can't, nobody that's don't touch it. Don't say anything to that. <laughs> no, it's, it's perfect. Um, this this is like again like a like a comfortable it's like an old video game this movie it's like playing this is exactly to me like playing asteroids or something where it's it's perfect but it's 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 not but it's perfect because it's not maybe it's just my nostalgia and seth my mine and seth nostalgia coming out but donald pleasance of halloween is one of the great things that ever happened well i have to go revisit it then because I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I, I, I haven't seen Halloween in in so long that I, I would just need to revisit. His commitment is unparalleled. It's just unparalleled. I, I, I love him, and 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 I think that. But I don't is know. It, like, is it the same level of commitment as Puddle's Pity Party? <clears throat> I don't know is what that, that is. You don't know Puddle's Pity Party? A musical thing, some kind of musical theater thing. No, it's not a musical theater thing. It, there is singing involved in Puddle's Pity Party, but if you don't know Puddle's Pity Party, you have to... I think maybe it was singing, and I, I said, oh, I like that. That's nice. No, Puddle's Pity Party is a guy who... He's about six foot five, and he dresses as a clown. Full. Yeah, no, I, I know. This isn't my kind of thing. Uh, you've played it for me. I honestly don't. I it's, it didn't it didn't speak to you. Nope. At all. It creeps me you know, out. That I, I find it disturbing. I, that I that I don't get. I don't get how you would not see. I don't that. like I don't like crooners. I don't like crooners. Not interested in lounge music. Don't like clowns. Don't want a close-up of a clown singing lovingly in a crooner voice to me. I don't like it. I mean, there's nothing I like about that. Wow. Wow, I'm and you're just talking about it. You're just talking about a, a video on YouTube, dude. I'm talking about my childhood. So, come on. <laughs> you're you're even comparing Puddle's Pity Party with with like the canon of the, the with the, with the greatest actor in horror movies. He's done a Puddle's did a video, a music video. He does. He he has a whole concert following. This guy has a huge following okay so does john carpenter <laughs> john carpenter does actually perform his music live to thousands and thousands of people too so take that puddles i don't mean to be rude but it's just not my thing okay. all right but i was i wasn't talking about puddles in terms of quality i was talking about puddles in terms of this idea of commitment to the bizarre idea the the, sure. the yeah the, all right the, the level of of saying okay this is wacky 
Okay. And I am going to commit 110% to it. There is a difference, though. Puddle's decided to do this on his own. Uh, John Rosh's lens therapy. That's great. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, these, you know, Joel, these, if that is Joel, that's great. Both are great. I'm not, this is, a, this is, my opinions are worth, worthless. I mean, I'm, they're worthless, Joel. No. No, they are. I mean, it doesn't matter. I, 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 I just, uh, okay. This is from Mom's Corner. Yeah. Our mom says, I'd say my favorite performance ever was Donald Pleasance in Pinter's The Caretaker on Broadway in something like 1960. I remember, yeah, I remember you saying something about that, Mom, and, and, maybe that was one of the things that made me pay attention to him when I saw him in these horror movies growing up because I maybe overheard that. I clearly need to re-examine Donald. Oh, I, I don't. You like Puddles and I like Donald Pleasance. I think that's fine. Oh my God, it's fine because I, I don't. There's nothing to revisit. I think that the scene, the scene that I that I'm, that I was so affected by as a child, even seeing and as I as I, revisiting it again today, was, you know. He he he's he's so he's so unhinged. He's as the president, you know, who's been brutalized by these prisoners. You have, I mean, clearly he's been <laughs> treated poorly. Um, and um, the the this the level of uh, of of shock and trauma and and specific terror relating to his situation and to the person and to the moment that he's in is 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 i it's so daring and it actually freaked me out as a kid i remember seeing that scene and just being like it was almost too real like to see an adult male just you know uh have that kind of exposure to to you know his raw nerve like that it was it freaks me out a little bit it's that that good to me um and he's a little, and and he gets a little. He's got a sense of humor about it all too, which I love. It's a little bit sly, and he's a little bit like, "Look, I'm doing this B movie. I might as well just go for it." And he does, and it's just, you know, I love him. Well, there we have it. I have to reexamine this. No, you don't. I, I because then I'd have to listen to puddles more. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I just have, you know, I don't have clownophobia, but it definitely brings a little bit of like, oh boy, I'm I'm unnerved by this. Maybe in a way that Puddles wants me to be. I'm totally unnerved. But it's it's not a way that I like to be. I I don't know if I like that kind of unnerving. Ah. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. Maybe it actually does unnerve me too much. All right. Well. Which I'm a fan of. So I like maybe I like the it. closest we've come to uh, coming to blows. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I can't, no, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, Hey, you know, the, something just occurred to me though, not, not on this movie, but going looping back to the very beginning of the show, when we were talking about our weeks and how terrible they were, and we didn't have anything to talk about. Mm -hmm. I actually did have something wonderful happen this week. What happened? I, um, I ordered a box of um otter pops from amazon i don't i don't know what that is you know otter pops otter pops are those uh popsicles that are they're not frozen it's a big strip of different little plastic the 
frozen tubes and you put them in the freezer and they freeze and you tear them off one at a time. They're little frozen, frozen, frozen juice, juice props. Little, they're not, there's nothing resembling juice in these. They're, no, no the flavors of- are blue. Like blue is one of the flavors. Oh, okay. So it's, is a, yeah, they're it's just brought to you by Beatrice. Basically, they're they're yeah. just in some parts of the country they're they're sold as flavor ice, um, or otter pops. Uh, but you get a box of a hundred of them for ten dollars from Amazon, and throw them in the in the freezer. And the problem is that. I can't eat one of them. I eat like 10 of them. I just... just A box of those delivered to your house is like shaving 10 years off the planet. I have a feeling. Jeez. (laughs) Does it come in a refrigerated truck with the air? No, they're they're completely liquid. Oh, they're liquid when they arrive. You put the the sheets of them in the freezer and then tear them off one at a time. I'm so happy to have these. Is that your summertime, summertime treat? Oh, yeah. And you, know, I, you can you can put orange juice, you know, not to be like too much a hippie about this, but you could put orange juice into ice trays or popsicle, make popsicles out of juice. <laughs> okay, because it freezes very much like water does. Yeah. See, now you're doing to my childhood what I just did to you. <laughs> oh, okay. So other pops were a thing as you were when you were a kid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That nostalgia thing—it's tough, man. It's out of your out of your. Yeah. As Seth said, it's like Kool-Aid frozen. I think maybe not like it, but in fact. Might actually frozen. Um, So Donald Pleasance didn't make that big of an impression on you. Um, uh, We like the glider sequence. We have that in common. We like the glider sequence. Um, You don't like the end when he says, like, you know, you're going to kill me now, Snake? And he says, I'm too tired. Maybe later. Maybe later. And he walks off with the American flag behind him. It's great. Yeah. Come on. We didn't like the fact that for some reason it was it was Carl Reiner's. It was a plastic version of Carl Reiner's severed head that they put on his bike. I don't know why. <laughs> that was a weird cameo. Did you notice that? It was Carl Reiner's head. It looked like it to me. I did not notice. Yeah, I did not notice that. Like entering the Diamond District, you did not. It literally looked like it was like a guy. It was like Carl Reiner or some <laughs> guy who ran a deli. I don't know why it was the weirdest thing. I wow. should have frame grabbed it, but I didn't. It was very yeah, I wanted more of. Um, I wanted more of Romero, the character of Romero, the Frank Doubleday character. I love that character. Was he's cool? What he was doing was so out there, and he. He reminded me of that guy in. Uh, he was the closest thing in it to the guy in the Road Warrior who, you know, says, "All hail humongous, the Lord who gets his fingers chopped off." That that sniveling. Yeah, guy. Um, yeah. I mean, he. What's interesting is that um, he decided to do a, like a snake thing for his own character, while Kurt is also snake. Yes. Like, that was an interesting yeah. choice. You did you like the fact that that uh, that Kurt Cobain's tattoo came was rising out of his pants as a question mark? <laughs> what was the what was the question? Is what I kept pointing out. <laughs> the question was in his pants, obviously. So. Yeah, it was like uh, the Riddler's uh, question mark <laughs> coming out of his pants. Yeah. 
and yeah. you can't tell it's a snake until you're too close. You realize you're way too close. Way closer than you want to be. <laughs> Do you know who did the uh, opening narration in this movie? Uh, I don't know. I was gonna make a joke, and then and none came to me. You remember so that female? You remember that female voice from the beginning telling us the the prehistory of the movie? Yeah, I know the voice. I just don't know. I, I don't know who did it. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, oh, really? Okay. There you go. Yeah. See, he he likes to work with the same people, over and over again. Yep. Which is pretty great. Nick Castle, you know, was who did Last Starfighter. Yeah. Was the writer on this. Who did the polish? Which, you know, oddly, you could argue that. I heard I heard John Carpenter talking about how um, Nick Castle's polish on the script brought all this humor to it, and it made it much more, you know, made it a better script. Which I don't know if I gonna want to argue with, but in a way, it might have been fun to see if this movie this movie played as straight as the Warriors without any humor without any of it and just seen like more of a documentary about him getting from point a to point b uh-huh because in a in a way i feel like it was those there the those the humor that today kind of stands in the way of believing it because there's a lot of it that's actually pretty believable um, yeah anyway you know all right well there it is um, so uh for next week, should we? Is there a branch we should swing from? Because you know you've mentioned the Warriors many times tonight. Well, that would be fun. I mean, it would be kind of curious to go see that one. Um, after this, uh, I'd be down. All right. Are we? Are we still in our? science fiction phase though we, we could stay in science fiction seth if you're still listening just tell us do we do we move on or do we stay with one more science fiction movie do we we could the other branch we could swing to is we could stay we could go cronenberg and do something like videodrome or you 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 don't have to ask me twice <laughs> See the problem is, okay. I just I'm I'm worried we're we're just we're oh so there you thank you Seth. Let's do Silent Running. Silent I don't, running. I, don't I don't have an opinion about this movie because I I haven't seen it for ages. I don't think I've ever seen Silent Running. Um, Cronenberg would be this that could hurt again next week, and I don't I just I can't I don't have the heart. So I have to I have to like Silent Running. No, my point is I I don't have an investment in whether you like it or not. Oh, I. I, see. I, I I'm a big Cronenberg fan. So like if, if we had another one of these over Videodrome, I would just, it, it'd, it'd be sad, even though it makes Seth happy that we fight. Silent running is, um, is it available? It is available on uh, Amazon prime video. That's, I think, a that's a great way to end our, our sci-fi, uh, our sci-fi run. Stephen Bochco, Michael Cimino, Derek Washburn screenplay. All right. So we're going to jump into Silent Running for next week. Bruce Dern? Yeah. Bruce Dern? Well, that's 
some craziness right I there. I think it's uh, Douglas Tremble, right? Didn't he do the uh, Didn't he do the effects on it? Uh, let's see. View production. Um, filmmakers. We've got Douglas Trumbull directed it. Oh, he directed it too. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Douglas Trumbull, who, uh, those who don't know, uh, did the special effects and designed a lot of the special effects for 2001, and among other amazing, uh, other amazing movies. Um, there's nobody we know in this movie, so we're not going to be able to talk. There isn't anybody that we know. How can that possibly be? We have to know somebody. No, it's a very small cast in this movie. Wait a minute. I mean, there's, there's Bruce. You and I both must have met Ron Rifkin at some point. Yeah, but I don't know him to call him up and say, hey, come on the show, Ron. Oh, 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 God. Okay, I see what you mean. No, we don't have any of those connections. No, no, no. There's not that many people in this movie. Look at that. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people. Tiny Four. little cast. Okay, I'm excited to see it. That's going to be gonna fun. We're going to do that. All right, Silent Running next week. Thanks for the uh, choice, Seth. That's great. I'm going to go have 10 Otter Pops. I'm going to wish I had some Otter Pops now. You have something better. You have batch twenty-two. Well, I do. You do too. But batch twenty-two and an otter pop sounds like it could be a good combo. You know what I'm going to order from Amazon because uh, I just heard this exists, and uh, I'm wondering how they are. Is um, they're like otter pops, but they're pickle pops. They're frozen. They're made with pickle juice, and you freeze them, and uh, they're supposed to be really tasty. You think I'm crazy, don't you? I, you've said some things tonight that, that that I will I just have to live with. I don't know what else to say. Um, pickle frozen pickle pops. Okay, it sounds yeah. it sounds uh, un, unappealing. Was that oh, the word? Un, redoubtably, redoubtably it sounds unappealing. unappealing. Nobody nobody looked up redoubtable for me tonight, and to, to say whether or not I was completely. Well, what if I do it? Let's round out the show okay. by finding out. How do I do that, though, Matthew? Um, how do I find something like that? You just out? Google the word redoubtable. Just Google the word redoubtable or definition of redoubtable, which I am I'm going to go out on there on the limb and say, I believe that it means formidable. Uh, it does. That is exactly what it means. Or formidable, I guess it could be either or. Formidable, yes. So... Uh, so all this time that I didn't know what I was talking about, I kind of did. You could have saved face by just looking at me and going, Tony, you just making a fool of yourself. Yeah, but you weren't. Well, no, I, I, I mean, you could have said it, though, and avoided any of that embarrassment. But it's one of those words that I love to use. Redoubtably. My, Seth Michael May says you should put it on screen the deaf. Put it on screen? The definition. Well, how do I put it on screen? You share your screen. Oh, I have to do this now? Oh, no, my God. No. You can tell Seth to get, I, stick it in his ear. No, I'm not going to tell Seth that. But I do want to I do want to have a I want to complain to the line producer of this show that I have to be doing technical work. 
I'm not. I can't do it, Seth. I've I, I've I've clicked the, the, the I've clicked all the buttons tonight today that I can click. That you can click. I've all officially right. done it. My thumbs will break. It can't be done. Redoubtable. It means formidable, especially as an opponent. There we go. And Seth, I'm only not sharing because I don't think I can figure out how to do it without without actually hanging up rudely. Okay. All right. So next week, join us for Silent Running. Can't wait. Going to see a new one. I, I I don't. It may be that I maybe I might be confusing it with Logan's Run. In fact, I may not have seen oh, this really? either. Yeah, okay. Possible. Awesome. Okay. All right. Good night, buddy. You too, man. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.